Welcome to another episode of Watch. This is our final episode on Serpent and the Wings of Night. Can't believe it. I know. We do want to give a content warning or discussion to some degree, perhaps minimal, of sexual assault. And with that taken care of, I actually do also, before we sort of dive in, um, (sighs) this is hard for me, um, but I actually want to also issue a formal correction and apology to our listeners, um, which I can only imagine will be the first of many that I issue on this podcast. I can't wait to find out where this is going. (sighs) So we've been getting a lot, honestly, sort of an overwhelming slew of emails from our listeners. (laughs) Some are, quite frankly, pretty caustic and pretty disappointed with us. And so I do want to acknowledge that in our first episode, I made an incorrect statement, I believe. I said that I thought that we didn't know how Latin is pronounced. (laughs) And I, I did say that my ninth grade Latin teacher told me that. Was he lying? I believe he, I believe I have been misled. Oh, no. I actually am questioning a lot because I really trusted that man. But it was brought to my attention by boyfriend of the pod, who is a Latin hobbyist and a Greek, ancient Greek hobbyist. Of course as, he is. <laughs> as, one's, as one's boyfriend must be. True. <laughs> I was informed that actually we kind of do know how Latin was pronounced because it was, and I'm trying to remember what he told me, <laughs> but I believe he said that. It's really, it is hard to listen when men speak. That's, you're yeah, you're, when do, they you're doing up, so well. <laughs> you're trying And so they hard. will actually you <laughs> in a metaphorical sense, if not, I don't believe he literally said that. But he said, I think actually we do know how Latin was pronounced because it was written sometimes in ancient greek like Mm. latin words but in ancient greek from that i guess we know how it sounded fine because we can speak ancient greek (laughs) no i think the broader we the we of the world definitely not us no sure Yeah, so, like, from the way that they did that with, like, Greek lettering, I guess that kind of gave some indication of, like, how Latin sounded. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think from that, you could sort of piece it together. Well, I think a couple things. One, I just want to thank you for your, like, we're very committed to transparency and sort of owning our errors here. Right. The ones that we don't just cut out you know right <laughs> in, in the editing phase of this podcast right. mm-hmm. so i just really appreciate you living live like an being a living embodiment no of thank you for stepping into right. your truth rachel yeah the second is i'm not sure i believe mark whatsoever <laughs> and this maybe should just be a kind of ongoing conversation what i can do is i can ask my papa who studies oh. various dead languages this is the kind of thing that he wouldn't care about and therefore <laughs> likely wouldn't know. But I think you need to ask him. Yeah. In a subsequent episode, we'll have a sort of update because I mean, like, I'm not going to Google it. If you're listening, you're not going to Google it. We no, all certainly like, that's not. too much. Absolutely. No, no way. Yeah. Right. And I did not. But I would like for you to be victorious over boyfriend of the pod, Mark. We do have to yeah. put the boyfriend like a boyfriend must be put in his yeah. place. I thoroughly agree. I really would like to put him in his place. And I should have Googled it. 
I still haven't, so I actually don't even know. <laughs> and he, to- he he told me this like two at least two weeks ago, so I don't really remember the details of it either. Nor did I verify them. Um, but I just want to relay that. And I think as much as I'm loath to give a man credit ever for correcting me, um, <laughs> even when they are technically justified in so doing, I also want to take this time to thank him because. He did alert us to the fact that at one point, one of us, who we won't say who, accidentally parroted a QAnon conspiracy theory <laughs> that was satirized on a an HBO show. And then, you know, one of us took that to be true. So we did actually... We thankfully, caught that we, one. We caught the censors, that pre The kind of censoring... Ed- yeah, the censors caught that. Right. So I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest because, you know what, I got scared because I thought, what if one of our listeners is at a fucking cocktail party? Oh, and, no. And, they're, oh, no. and they want to they want to share that fact because obviously it's a great, it's a fun, cool thing to just say at a cocktail party. And then some asshole is going to come back and say, well, actually, that's not true. Yeah, they get dressed down by some yeah. smug. Oh, my God. And then you would be responsible for someone getting mansplained to wow thank you for yeah. taking the burden of bearing the mansplain upon yourself <laughs> i think you're really ready to walk us through the trauma and horror of this episode because of all that you know you've just been through actually i think will is going to be sort of shepherding us <laughs> oh, through right. <laughs> right obviously i'll be there unpacking a lot alongside my shepherd so with that seamless transition, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Will. Okay, so we pick up where we left off, which was the sudden appearance on Oriya of an airmark, and immediately get into the, like, what does it mean? Everyone is just startled. <laughs> I, I wrote, do you get this? Some true colors are revealed. <laughs> Do you get it? No, we like, get it, Will. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they're in the arena still. Rain and his coup team, which include many Rishan, but also many House of Blood soldiers, seem to be just kind of like in the area with Rain and Araya mm-hmm. around. So this happens in a public setting. Multiple people, not just Rain and Araya, realize she has an airmark at once. So Karis is immediately like, kill her. And... We don't like him. No. However, our girl Katara is also drawing her sword, so I feel like we have to be a little more open-minded. <laughs> but from, a, I don't know, from her perspective, I love how I'm like, fuck Karis, and then Katara does it. I'm like, but from her perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, there's sort of a mob forming. It's kind of like a la the French Revolution. One rides the tide of whatever, whatever. Violence. Everybody's it. doing yeah, it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they're getting quite menacing. And Rain realizes this. And this is the incredibly upsetting part of this episode that, frankly, I think is a bit excessive. Yeah. Carissa. Rain yanks Araya back and he immediately adopts this, like, cold and foreign voice. And he says, I have better plans for her. Septimus raises a cigarillo to his mouth. (laughs) I honestly love that detail. Like, Septimus is having the best day of his life right now. Yeah. And I guess not worried about his long-term lung health prospects because he's cursed with a blood curse (laughs) good point he essentially threatens to marry her against her will and sexually assault her we later learn this is a ploy this is him basically trying to sate the figurative bloodlust as opposed to the literal bloodlust of his allies but it just seems a bit 
egregious. I just don't like that they have Araya being like, oh, like, it feels like this was a performance, but he's kind of always doing these performances. And so it's like, what's real and what isn't? And well, that's yeah, I thought that was like a real point. She's like, you know, I can never tell when this guy is being real or not. Red flag. And I guess part of what Rain alludes to, which I think we should circle back to shortly thereafter, is that apparently Vincent did something like this to Nessanine when he took over. Yeah. We shan't really dwell further. But Rain continues his, like, parade of horribles to convince the other Rishan that Araya should be kept alive. He's like, this would be worse than death. If he hadn't just said the most horrific, truly shocking thing before, this would have been it. <laughs> which is, he's like, I'll prop up Daddy Night King to watch the wedding. Who? Like, I'm going to put the corpse of right. my, like, <laughs> my bride who doesn't want to marry me, her father, like, in the front row. Who, if we remember from last episode, was described as, like, deconstructed muscle and tissue at this point. Like, he's not. Yeah. Once they're alone, Rain apologizes. But I'm pretty sure he's only apologizing for killing her dad at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. And that obviously makes her think of Vinny, who did, on his deathbed, finally one tell her that he loved her and apologize which i think are two things he'd never done before yeah and they have a little like you know she's like i hate you rain and he's like oh she's back which just tonally feels completely off i know when he does like the thing that he always does it's just like okay get like one more catchphrase where he's like there she is it's like no you can't say that like you don't it's like when you have a breakup with someone and then they try to like text you like your old like inside jokes like you're not allowed to do right. that like why are you being yeah. like oh haha there she is like remember right. that's like our cute little thing like the time for that has passed rain honey like no you can't be texting yeah. her with like links time. to like tiktokers that you like watching like no we don't accept that anymore wow it's a great comparison then you sort of just add in the killing of one's father right <laughs> right right and it just sort of really just sort of really dramatized that point yeah so yeah so then this scene ends with a casual he puts her to sleep against her will which let me just say is like itself a pretty egregious crime yeah <laughs> when Araya wakes up she wakes up to visions of all the trauma she has just experienced but as usual she refuses to cry despite the fact that it might helpful um because <laughs> crying is definitely a weakness and not a legitimate way to process the trauma that you have just been through <laughs> she wakes up in her old bedroom when she lived in the the night castle yeah. yeah but there's nothing in the room that so her leathers are gone her weapons are gone all she is left with are pants and a camisole which now is a term you know. we're now all familiar yeah. with wow look at you like You've really absorbed that knowledge. You know, just like in the way that Araya's back at this room and she's grown so much. Like, here you are, Will, back. And you too have grown grown so much. Yeah, and learned so much. Yeah. So she wakes up, and I think one of the first things she realizes is that it seems like becoming heir has wrought some physical changes upon our girl boss. To start, her eyes, I can't tell if this is because... She just didn't sleep that much. I think, though, it's a permanent change. Her eyes are, like, more shadowed, which heightens the detail that I think we, from the get-go, had said we just sort of wrote out of our, (laughs) well, for those of us who can mentally picture (laughs) Araya, it heightens her moon eye effect situation. Right, because she has these, like, silver eyes, and we were all like, that doesn't seem realistic. We'll just brush past that (laughs) instead of being like, this is a clue. (laughs) Right, yeah, it is true. We kind of missed that one. A swing and a miss. <laughs> and then she looks at our air mark, which covers her throat, her neck, 
and her clavicle. So there's smoke swirls that cover her shoulders. They come to like four points, which mimic the talons of Hyaj wings. And there are like red wisps of smoke that seem to just be emanating from her. So she's sort of assessing her new look and Rain enters uninvited. Araya, in a classic but deserved manner, tries to attack him with her nails and teeth. She bites him. She confronts him about all the terrible things he said. And he replies saying, well, I had to say these things to save you from the mob. Sidebar of his allies. Right. The way the book presents it, it seems like that's true. But I will note that he doesn't ever apologize for saying these things. Well, and can I also just note that he begins this whole thing by doing what you should never do in any situation like this whatsoever, which is begin by telling her to calm down. Yeah. For the straight boy bosses out there, sorry, boys boss, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is some good advice 101. Never say those words, ever. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. Especially right after you murdered your girlfriend's Especially (laughs) post-murder, right, of of a partner's father. And then, like, you know locked her up like (laughs) it is like so fucked up he's like chill out like why are you freaking out We get to the point where it's sort of like the villain reveal explains all his plans. You know, the Ocean's Eleven, you see what really happened during the heist. Yeah. That whole that whole vibe of the book. Yeah. Rain starts off on another sort of bad <laughs> foot because the first thing he says is, technically, I never lied to you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which is like, get the fuck out, dude. Which is in her defense, basically what she says. Yeah. It turns out that Rain was turned by the old Rishan king. Rain betrayed that king the day that Vinny got his powers from that Kajari. We once again get not much info on this, but we get a little bit more about Nessanine. Previously, we had discussed that Rain had just said she couldn't imagine leaving the world she was in or something, and so didn't get out. And now we realize literally he meant she wouldn't leave the castle when it was under attack or something, but we don't get an explanation of why. This reminds Araya that in his awful, horrific speech, Rain had alluded to the fact that Vinny had assaulted Nessanine. And she builds up what I think is like a fair amount of courage, given the whole situation, to ask him if that's true. Yeah. And fucking Rain is like, oh, yeah, no, actually, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Rain. That was so weird. Again, it's like he's, like, making up these reasons as to why everything he's doing makes sense and isn't the right. And I yeah, I thought it was also it was maybe like, you know, there can be sort of rumors that everyone has heard and then become a kind of cultural touchstone. And yeah. so. He was sort of referencing that. But yeah, it was wild. I wanted to ask Rach if she thought, does that, does, do you think this could rise to the level of like defamation? Wow. <laughs> is that's it a like, good question. Yeah. Like, what do yeah. you need? Is it actual malice or yeah. something? Or no, that's no, that's else? really good, Will. So yeah, so Vincent, public figure, right? Public official. So actual right. malice standard does apply, which means mm-hmm. that to prevail, he'd have to show that rain either. Wow, I'm fucking up the actual malice standard. Knew or knew that it was false or basically was reckless as to its falsity, I think. He feels fairly reckless because he admits the only thing he knows is that Nessanine was one of the last to die. Right. 
Although I will just add, just to complete the lesson. Oh, sorry. Um, thank you for apologizing. I, I believe there's no, you can't be defamed once you're dead. Um, Nobody can bring a suit on your behalf. But actually, I can't remember if that's true or not. Um, But I know my friend Spencer likes to talk about it a lot. <laughs> hey, Spencer. Shout out, Spencer. Yeah. So Rain explains that he'd opened the doors to the castle or whatever, and then just Nessany didn't come. And it was only once he was far away that he realized he had become heir, presumably after Vincent had killed everyone else in the family line. Right. Like Araya, he was shocked. It was, I suppose, sort of unclear at that time that a turned vampire could inherit from the vampire who turned him. Sort of new precedent being set there. Yeah. This is where we learn that he tried to burn it off unsuccessfully. And that for a while, he wanted no part of it. But then he changed his mind. And we don't really get any explanation about why that is. (laughs) And so Araya asks if he joined the Kajari for the same reason that Vincent did. And he says, yes. She's then like, what was I? Like, was this fake? There's like a kind of class. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, you're different. Yeah, it started off as a strategy. But I should have known from that first stab (laughs) that you were different. It's like a very classic early 2000s movie where, you know, there's some kind of bet made about whether the popular guy is going to be able to date, who are, you know, like, she's all that, 10 things I hate she's about you, that. like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, no, it started out as this, like, joke slash bet slash game, whatever. But then I fell in love with you. That's such a good call out. That's exactly it, Dina Marie. Thank you. If there's one thing I know, it's my 90s, early 2000s rom-coms. Yeah. Okay, this just sort of keeps going. We just keep getting lots of, ex- mm. ex- what's that called? Explication? Explanation? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, um, the next topic we get to is the House of Blood. And Rain basically admits that he had to strike a deal with the House of Blood because so many Rishan were killed by Vincent after the Moon Palace attack. Septimus had come to him earlier trying to make an arrangement. Rain was not interested at all. After the Moon Palace attack and the ensuing genocide, basically, of Rain's people, Rain is like, well, we don't have the manpower or the woman power. Or the, we don't have the vamp power, sorry, mm. to carry out this rebellion. So he has to strike a deal. But his plan, which I guess to give him some minor bit of credit, seems authentically to have been the plan was to strike a deal with Septimus, but Rain's plan was just to let, was to die the whole time. And in fact, this is where we learn that Rain pulled Uriah's wrist to kill him. And so he was going to strike this deal with the House of Blood, right. but it was never going to be fulfilled, was his plan. But what, but like, what was it? The, the deal was to save Uriah? I don't get it. It makes no sense. The logic isn't really there. Maybe Septimus told Angelica that she has to kill Araya because Rain won't kill Araya. So Septimus doesn't get his plan if Araya is alive. Okay, wait, but then why does he like not? No, I don't but, know. <laughs> right, right. No, so I think we get this from Septimus' perspective later. We can just like quickly fast yeah. forward. Septimus is like, oh, I knew he was a romantic. I knew he was going to let her win. But then I also knew that Araya would bring him back from the dead or something, which, like, whatever. Like, did you really know all of that? Yeah. He's playing chess. They're playing yeah. chatters. TLDR. But from Rain's perspective, like, Rain doesn't know that. So you think Rain should have been a little more suspicious, but he's not. Neither he nor Araya are the deepest of strategic thinkers. So anyway, they basically put their thinking caps on for the first time, maybe in the whole book, and deduce that Septimus probably committed the assault on the moon palace yes. and framed it on the region so right. that they would 
be in a desperate situation where they needed him. Yeah. They then discuss Uriah's newfound heirdom. She's like, why didn't you smell the vampire on me, basically? <laughs> and he says, well, maybe I did smell taste half vampire on you, but I thought it was just love. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like continued to not be able to take senses of taste and smell seriously in fantasy books. Anyway, Uriah sits down, which... You know, admittedly, it's been a lot. <laughs> She's still processing. And she sort of gets like the last realization of this big thinking part of the book in which she starts to question with Rain's help. Like, did Vincent just find her randomly? Did he just happen to show up at the right house at the right time? Which I think was a pretty central part of her character that she was just quite lucky yeah. and quite fortunate and vincent like went out of his way when he had no reason to help this human mortal person and she remembers as vincent died he said something like i was gonna tell you which yeah by the way vincent like oh i was gonna tell you yeah you were gonna tell her after she did that coriate bomb right. thing which prevented her mm -hmm. from right. ever using her powers against you you little fucker so even though we feel bad that you're dead right. and all that's on you yeah, and obviously it's, like, super fucked up to not right. <laughs> admit to your paternity. <laughs> TLDR, like, things are clicking. Things are sort of falling into place in our girl's mind. <laughs> but they have this kind of nice moment. Or, I mean, I don't know if it's nice. I think we're all pretty anti-Rain at the moment. But they'd sort of set aside her legitimate gripes with him. But he sort of breaks that spell of them trying to figure out answers because he steps in it again. When he says, oh, don't worry, we'll find out all the answers together after the wedding. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, so Fuck tone deaf. Like, <laughs> she's like, I'm not marrying you. But he's, he persists. He's um, nevertheless, he persists. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, he's like, the only way to keep you safe is to make you seem like a sort of bride prisoner the implication i think being he is not secure enough in his own power to like political power to ensure that she's safe otherwise mm. she sort of gives her and this is another rest in peace alicia moment because i'm not sure you two will get it but some listeners well she gives her a bit of like an anakin skywalker speech gives to padme like we could join together and rule the world why don't we make this world better i mean i don't get the reference but like i totally get it no get yeah it. the yeah. vibe is there and i do just want to quickly clarify for the listeners um alicia's not actually dead she's a friend of the pod <laughs> <laughs> she was originally going to be a co-host of the pod and then she said this seems like a lot of work which you know in retrospect she might have had a point um yeah, but here we are <laughs> um i mean well no maybe i'll save it for later but well, no, I'm just going to say it now. Go for yeah. it. Obviously, in all of my sort of wisdom, literary knowledge, mm -hmm. I did call that this was going to be enemies to lovers to you enemies did. to lovers. You did. Famously, you yep. did. It was clearly that, yep. which I love. And I, and I got to say, again, going back to when I first hit this marriage thing, I didn't see that coming. Um, the... I don't know if it's called, like, forced marriage trope. That sounds a little bad, but, like, marriage of convenience trope. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. Listen, a lot of times I I kind of love it. So we'll see. We're going to see in book two, but <laughs> oh. hot take. <laughs> They're fun. I don't know. I'm still in my hissy phase about it. Very yeah. much in the enemies phase. And I think like, yeah, they were like enemies at first, but I was like immediately like, okay, great. Like, let's bang. And now I'm like really mad mm -hmm. at him. <laughs> and so I'm like, 
how do we get back from right. it? <laughs> so anyway, he does a whole like, I can't kill you. The world would be so dark. And she's like, oh, you're right. It would be. So they, she agrees to be non-consensually married, I would say, is sort of what happens. It's confusing. Also, in the course of doing this, I wanted to note that we get another sort of egregious neg of Nessanine. <laughs> I know! Yeah. Oh my god! Because <laughs> Araya's like, well, like, how do you know I'm any different from Nessanine? And Rain's like, well, you're smarter than she is. You have a and- vision! <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to Sorry, that. sorry, right, sorry. Which sorry. is something, no, 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 which is something he said previously, too. Which, first of all, does not seem true whatsoever. <laughs> like, literally, tell, like, no. What is fucking Araya's vision? She has the uh, she has the lack of vision. She has no vision. She she just wanted to like get some power and go see her family. Like that does not a vision make. <laughs> Whatever the antonym of vision is, that is what she has. She has no vision whatsoever. So that's completely bullshit. But she still buys it, I guess. But yeah, the other thing was this negging of Nessanine, and I guess so it's fucked. sort of. It's sort of common in a new relationship to shit on the person you were in in like a previous relationship, I yeah. think. But the exception to that rule is when they tragically were murdered. Probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like just fucking kick her while she's right. down. Jesus. Kick her while she's down. There's kind of shades of victim blaming yeah. in here of she wasn't smart enough to get out of the castle or something. This is what I'm saying. Like none of this is making me be like oh, Rain just stuck in this horrible circumstance that's making them be in this enemies to lovers and making me feel more like Rainy little douchey douche. Fuck boy. Right. But I will be strapping my blinders on (laughs) post-haste. I'm going to be declining to recall all of this. Um, the listeners can't see, but I'm, I'm making blinders yeah. with my hands. I got my little horse Absolutely. blinders on, and I will be. I personally just knocked my microphone. I was just exerting myself so much. I personally am ready to forgive. I'm ready to forget. <laughs> just for like have... the enjoyment of it all. You want to get back yeah. to the fun flirty. Yeah, well, listen, next book, this is good, because we're going to have a little bit of, we have some rebuilding to do, we're going to have some tension, which we have to have again, because we can't just be happily ever after, No, we can't. We We need more tension. You're right. But, Rachel, you can do that, and I'm going to be the eternally angry best friend who, when you're back with your boyfriend, I'm just, like, giving him dirty looks across the lunchroom table. You're the Keturah. The Keturah of the group. Hopefully she comes back in book two. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if we if just we, never the see her, is we, from her ever again? We didn't release this podcast in time for her to become sort of a fan favorite. That right. then Carissa has no choice I but know. to feature more prominently in book two. But Carissa seems to be a big fan of wee little series, not novellas. I don't know if that other Nyaxia thing is a novella is, yeah. or whatever. I think it's a novella. Yeah. I think a little one little spinoff. So yeah, maybe we're gonna think get a about it. Novella. Think about it. Let's start a hashtag. Hashtag novella. <laughs> Ketervella, it's gonna be trending. It's trending. We're instructing you, our our social media army. Yeah, Fay Hive. We have to come up with a name for our yeah our wide listener base. We haven't come up with one yet. Yeah, with in time. Okay, so moving ahead, they sort of abruptly just get married. There's some ceremonial blood sucking involved in the vampire marriage, it seems. Of course. He tastes like the sky once more. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he also tastes like quote falling, which like I'm sorry, that makes somehow I don't know how she achieved this. That makes even less sense than the sky. <laughs> like maybe she has synesthesia. Yeah, maybe every character in these fantasy books has synesthesia. Like falling is a gerund. Like you can't. Yeah. How do you taste like a? I don't know. It does remind me, actually, I did not think of this until this moment, but of that, like, painting that she keeps bringing up. Oh, yeah. The oh, of the of the guy Russian falling. falling. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Sort of no, because that, no, that gets mentioned in this part yeah. of the book. Um, right, because it's still there. It's the only painting still there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Look at, Look at me. And A plus on my essay this week. <laughs> I thought that you were talking to me because I sort of very sophisticatedly, but without further explanation, said he was sort of like a Christ-like figure. Oh. Wait, why did said, you say that? I said that, like, sort of while other people oh, were talking. Oh, I missed that. So glad that we didn't <laughs> I, I, miss that. I, I missed um, that. I didn't further unpack it, and I will decline to do so. No, I think we're... <laughs> damn. Yeah. We want to leave some mystery wow. for the listener to sort of unwrap themselves, because that's yeah. where the real intellectual reward lies. This is our call... To all of you, I think it's clear that there's some Christ-like imagery comparisons. And I want all of you, once you're done with this podcast, to kind of take 15 minutes and think about it. <laughs> We'd like yeah. to yeah. Journal. journal about it and email it to us. Yeah. Yeah. Rain says his vows, but Araya refuses. And he does the like, she doesn't have to like move on with their ceremony. I get the sense, and I think we'll get some more on this later, that this is maybe legally, magically important i agree i was concerned um, is this marriage you right. know has it been mm, completed lawfully consummated well yeah i mean it also we don't know if it's gonna be i mean i think it's gonna be consummated at some but point eventually yet, not it has not yeah. literally been consummated we get a kind of classic Araya line she's not saying this out loud she's saying this to like the reader as she is wont to do yeah but it's kind of it's like nice because she's so melodramatic but it finally feels like she's earned yeah. it <laughs> she's <laughs> like i had lost my country but at least i had kept my heart wow and that's like obviously a lie she's very much still in right. love with him which is but clear. like tell but, yourself that girl fine mm-hmm. hold yeah. on hold strong for as long as you can speaking of holding strong she refuses to go to bed with him and sort of just stands there. So he's being kind of awkward about it. And she just stands there and looks at him and refuses to engage. And then he leaves. I just want to say this is a real thing when you have a real attraction to someone. And if she was, you know, in our world, she would have told her little group chat and they would have been glowing her the fuck up. Yeah, Be she like, turned him down. We're proud of you. Yeah. Like, you're such a queen. Slay. I guess, <laughs> I guess she's like. That was an ironic right. slay. <laughs> she's like, she's, yeah, an ironic slay, and she's a literal slay, queen. But, but like, you actually, know if you could mean. slay him to death, like, soon, that would be great. Good for her, because we all know the desire is still stirring in her loins, yeah. but she yeah, held firm. Probably, we'll, we'll, we'll have to keep a tabs, we'll have to keep a tally of how many, like, hours or days ultimately she will hold her, because <laughs> yeah, it right. seems like... It was maybe, maybe short-lived, but maybe, maybe a not. week. Right. Seven days post-dad murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she goes to bed. But near dawn, a dark horse favorite character raps on the glass. And it's girlboss extraordinaire Jasmine. Wow. wow. Who we've all sort of forgotten yeah. about, if you're like yep. me. She's like kind of banged up, some cuts, some bruises. But she's also, quote, still stunning, which must be nice. Obviously. Yeah. And she basically pledges her service to Araya as heir to the Giage clan because she's just a wee loyal lass. This is like a good fantasy trope. I love when the exiled, long lost heir, etc., 
gets a kind of dedicated and much more competent follower to oh, kind of yeah. clean up an after advisor, them. right? Somebody, yeah, and just like be on yeah, their side the whole time. The talking about, yeah, yeah. So it seems like Jasmine wasn't at the trial because yeah, she. Like, where were you? I will. I guess she's like. I guess they a had general. other stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, she's like fighting a war or something. Fighting vaguely somewhere, war, whatever. But she didn't know that Daddy Night King was dead. So that's kind of the first thing she How? asks. Yeah, I guess maybe it's you know it's like rumors. Yeah, right. she's like rumors. Wait, he's gone, right? Like abound. he's he's kind of like confirming yeah. it with her. Mm-hmm. Ariah reflects that Jasmine is a damned good head of war. Again, I'm like sort of skeptical because it's like, well, if like your core charge of protecting the king sort of you failed at so i think this is kind of just the normal thing where when you have like an important job everyone is like everyone suddenly assumes you're good at it Mm -hmm. and it's just not true anyway jasmine is upset by araya's marriage to quote a turned rishin slave which (laughs) seems loaded with prejudice jesse <laughs> Jesse, like, we're trying to root for you, sweetie. Like many different kinds Don't of prejudice. But yeah. I guess in this context, there's a lot of other things going on. So it's not, it's kind of not the moment for an implicit bias analysis. Yeah, no, totally. So they sort of, they move yeah. on. They just breeze past it. Sort of like an explicit bias, but yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like a quite explicit bias. <laughs> By the way, I fucking love that Jasmine was like, uh, I did tell you yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. hot, but he's going to be trouble. And or I was like, yeah, you did. So after some discussion, they agree that Jasmine will regroup with the army while Arias stays in the castle. <laughs> I don't really understand why. It was, I guess, because rescue seemed dangerous. And Arias like, I can get information. Well, I think there's something <laughs> where, like, am I wrong? But was there something where, like, she can't leave the window? Like, it's not like she could just, like, jump out the window. Right. She can't get in, like, at this moment. Yeah. But I think Jasmine was like, should I send right. some warriors to try and right. break in to get you? And Arias doesn't want to risk it. Definitely not a convenient plot device to keep Araya in the castle. She's like, no, I won't have anyone dying on my account. I'm going to stay here in my new arranged marriage trope. <laughs> right. Thank you. Even though, like, my decision definitely just got a shit ton of people murdered. <laughs> anyway, Jasmine, speaker of blunt truths, is like, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people will be skeptical about following you. Yeah. <laughs> what with your, like, half-human heritage. On the other hand, many Rishin won't want to follow Rain because he was, one, <laughs> low birth. And two, he abandoned his clan. So Jasmine kind of departs with the pep talk. But then we get this like weird line that I don't really get, which was she like leaves and she scales the walls, quote, with the ease of someone who had centuries of experience slipping through the locked windows of powerful men. What? Like, I don't really understand. I think we may have missed. I will confess I was listening. I've tried to keep myself clean of other podcasts about this book because I want to have my own opinions. But I yeah. did. Because we're almost done. I listened to one. Bad girl. (laughs) And they were talking about how, I guess it was like implied or stated that like Jasmine and Vincent were hooking up, which I didn't catch. Oh, also did not catch. I think it was like, oh, she's really hot. And Araya didn't like how they were like maybe looking at each other or something like that. So I don't think it was ever. I think it was implied maybe implied yeah but yeah because she i mean she definitely wasn't like oh my god my lover just died she was just like oh may the mother guide him home like cool well yeah i mean she might have just been fucking and shucking and in fact she's like i had no loyalty to him as a person i only had loyalty to him as the rishin king or the that doesn't mean she wasn't hitting that you know what i mean i guess that's true she's but sort of could have been unsentimentally hitting that (laughs) yeah i hope she was who can say (laughs) 
Um, okay, so I think that brings us to the final scene of the book, which is conveniently and dramatically set in the throne room. Arias sort of walked to the throne room, and on the way, she notices all the art is fucked up, except mm. that one piece with the Christ-like falling Rishin, as we noted. Araya reflects on the fact that everyone still wants to kill her, but they're different vamps now, obviously. And this time, it's not because she's weak, it's because she's potentially powerful and, like, own your sense of self. We yeah. love it. A much better reason for people wanting to kill you, in my opinion. Rain then sees Katora and he goes to speak with her, which is understandable because she's probably the most interesting person there. Yeah, right. And like yep. the funniest. That lets us have a nice little one-on-one kind of confab between Oriya and likely chief antagonist, asterisk, I have a hot take, of book two, Septimus of the House of Blood. Mm. They get into it a smidge. And she accuses him of, quote, slaughtering a kingdom. And he puffs out some smoke from his cigarillo <laughs> and is like, you're missing the big picture, which is sort of, I guess, a classic villain line. But then in a very endearing moment for me, he says, maybe it's the same drive that leads you to, quote, murder vampires in the human slums. <laughs> and I, I just feel very seen by Septimus right now. You're vindicated. Wow. You're validated. He that sees you. you. He, he is me. Okay. Yeah, you are he. Yeah. My hot take is like, maybe he becomes good. I think that might oh, happen. Yeah. I think he might become a good guy. I think guy. it might happen too. I don't really know who the bad guy would be then. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just laying claim to that point. Okay. I also think separately, it's worth pausing to know just how quickly she has shifted into being like pro hiage vampire when mm-hmm. <laughs> less than a day ago she was disgusted by them. She was disgusted by the feasting in the hall. She was murdering them in the streets, kind of wanton. I was gonna say she's like the top killer of Hiage vampires before right. the pre-coup, trial yeah. Coup. And <laughs> now she's just like you're you're killing my kingdom. My people need to be protected. And there's sort of no reflection happening on her part. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's sort of left the humans behind, who I think ostensibly were the closest you could think of as people that she might help. <laughs> right. <laughs> She asks him how he could use Angelica like that, or how he knew that this whole situation would work out in his favor. This is where he explains he's a kind of genius mastermind, and that Angelica was a good friend, but willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good. That mm-hmm. he knew Rain was a romantic, and that Araya would be a moron and bring him back to life. And he offers her a cigarillo, because in this book, every character needs a token trait, and then leaves with a profound thought. Which is, you know, we're the only ones who know what it's like to fight against time. Wow. Mm. And that's sort of what makes me think he'll become good. Rain returns. And they're both looking out over the city, presumably kind of destroyed, fires, whatever. They're looking out of these floor-to-ceiling windows, which I'm jealous of. And their eyes meet in, quote, mutual terror. United in all the ways we were the same, even if we weren't ready to admit it. And then we get this another melodramatic moment from Araya, where she says, my friend, my enemy, my lover, my captor, king and slave, human and vampire. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say the like, I, I like the ending. I don't like it, like, because it's like, oh, we're back to enemies. And like, now I hate rain and all this stuff. But I really like when you're either reading a book or watching a television show And the ending, quote unquote, gives you what you want, but not in the way that you want it. I feel like this is like, ha ha, like they're together. They're going to like rule together. They're married, but it's all so deeply fucked up and you're not happy about it. And the relationship is fucked up. Mm. And so it's kind of like a 
I don't know, there's probably a word for that trope or that situation. Right. You would have loved a wedding at the end of this book, wouldn't you? And then it's like, ha, 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 ha. She notes that perhaps Rain is the only other person who understood what it was like to have a heart that bled both red and black. Which, like, part of me was like, doesn't every turned vampire sort of have that experience? But (laughs) it's a, it's, on the other hand, a, a classic, I think, first love experience is to think there's only one person who can possibly get you so it's relatable yeah she knows that she can't deny his rugged beauty and then the book ends with what has become their typical little rejoinder where he asks if she is going to kill him and she responds not tonight wow and so ends the serpent (laughs) who some of us just learned who that is mm-hmm. so ends the serpent and the wings of night okay and then the wings of night are just like they have wings yeah i think it's like vincent and yeah, rain it's, it's night. just vampire yeah vampire various yeah. wings hey if you feel like it follow us on social at Feywatchpod on instagram and tiktok you can email us at Feywatchpod at gmail.com and a huge thank you to rachel's sophomore paramour steve for the music we don't thank sophomore Steve nearly enough. Thank you, Steve. But we did sort of neg your current boyfriend. So in a way, I think that like redounds to Steve's benefit. <laughs> That's Cosmically. True. That's true. All right. Talk to y'all soon. See you next time.